Good to have you back here on Sports Talk. Welcome, everybody. Monday afternoon, you just heard Adrian Broadus with uh, SportsCenter. Chama in the studios as well, our 600 ESPN El Paso Lubingo studios. We're live here as we get started. Border City Alehouse, the home of Sports Talk Live, 1506 Lee Trevino, where we'll be for the next three hours. In fact, while we're on the air today, there is a doubleheader of Monday night football games. First, Tennessee is visiting Buffalo, followed by Minnesota at Philly. We've got it all for you here at the Alehouse. Come down, watch some baseball as well. Enjoy three, four, five dollar pints, four dollar fireball, and five dollar Jack and Jack flavors. Not to mention uh, the special uh, Eagles fan club. This is the home of the Eagles fan club, by the way. For those of you not knowing, oh yeah, Eagles will be out in full force. We're going to be giving away lots of great prizes as well. They include uh, Chihuahuas tickets for Sunday afternoon's game. We'll be giving those away on the program today. If that is not enough, our friends at All That Music and Video at the Fountains of Farrah have once again come up huge for us. Speaking of huge, their new location is huge. Newly remodeled and expanded at the Fountains directly below the Best Buy parking lot. Oh, folks, you got to check it out. I was there earlier today. I saw thousands of deals on uh, classic and best-selling CDs and DVDs. They've got the new 180-gram vinyl, a huge selection of that. It's also the region's largest selection of vintage vinyl. So it's all there. They got it all, and they've given us some great prizes. We've got lunch bags for all four teams. That's right. You want a lunch bag for the Bills, the Vikings, the Titans, and the Eagles? We've got you covered today. We also have a Dalvin Cook pop Funko, number 143, to go along with a Derrick Henry premium Funko as well. So that's exciting. We've got uh, bottle openers for all four teams, too. And again, everything is courtesy of all that music and video, vinyl, CDs, video, and gifts. You can discover record collecting and all that music and video. I'm giving away a pair of uh, Casadores sunglasses here. During the show today, you want to win, it's free. We sign you up at halftime or start during the game, and then at halftime, we'll give everything away. And by the way, halftime of the Eagles game, not halftime of the Buffalo game, we'll probably still be on the air during halftime of the Buffalo game, but halftime of the Eagles game, we'll get it rolling. We welcome back to the show Adrian Broadus along with Chema as uh, we get going here on the program today. 505 6009 is our telephone number. That is 505-6009. It gets you right on in and through to the program today. As you would expect, we have a lot to talk about after what happened Saturday night, which I'll be honest with you, uh, it it was wild, folks. It was absolutely wild when you start to think about the uh, the UTEP game. And I'm sure we're going to end up talking about that. There is no doubt about it. In fact, I'm sure that is exactly what we're going to get a chance to, uh, to talk about. And all I can tell you is, yeah, things did not go the way we were expecting. Not even close. Not even close. But that's kind of what went down. And, uh, you know... Uh, we're going to be spending plenty of time on that today. Plenty of time. In fact, uh, Adrian, I got news for you, my friend. 
having a difficult time logging into my Facebook account to start the show today. So you're going to have to give me a minute on that. Beautiful. And then hopefully we'll get that done in, in just a little bit. Um, between the NFL on Sunday, which had the craziest games ever. I, I mean, look at the comebacks. Dolphins, 28 and a fourth. Jets, they come back from the dead in the final two minutes of the game to beat Cleveland. The all, I mean, I, I, I was in disbelief with the end of the Jet game. And I'll get to more of that later in the show. Cooper Cup. Ah, that's right, Cooper Cup. Cooper Rush, I should say. Cooper Cup almost fumbled the ball and fumbled the game away for the Rams. That didn't happen uh, thanks to an interception late from Jalen Ramsey. They almost blew it to the Falcons in that one. And then speaking of Cooper, Cooper Rush got it done early for the Cowboys. They hung on. Uh, Aaron Jones went nuts yesterday in the Sunday night game. I mean, oh, where do we go with the NFL? How about that Cardinals' uh, incredible win on the last play of regulation? The Titans sent it to OT against the Raiders, and they won on that fumble recovery for a touchdown in overtime. I mean, Adrian, I cannot remember a week where there were so many incredible finishes and, and comebacks in the second half than we saw yesterday. Yeah, I usually gauge it by the red zone witching hour, which they do usually comes around El Paso time, like 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, and it's just like all the montages of all the best games happening in real time. And uh, I think the uh, host, Scott Hansen, was having difficulties going bouncing around all the different games, and rightfully so because uh, all, the diff- all the drama that we saw yesterday, the comebacks that we saw mm-hmm. yesterday, and, and it – all the games were just exciting from morning to finish. And it was last week. It was all the morning games. The afternoon games were kind of sluggish this, uh, this week. It was every game, including the Sunday night game when you thought, wow, were were the bears going to actually come back and, and try to beat the Packers yesterday on the road, but just a lot of excitement. It's, it's great. The football is back and yeah, we're, we're really here. We're seeing all the upsets, all the craziness happen all at once. Bears didn't really have a chance. Did they? Let's no, be they, they came back. Hey, they almost—they uh, were almost there for a touchdown at the end. Justin uh, Fields was inches away from a touchdown. I'm not telling you the Bears are good by any means. I think they're still a bad team. Uh, but I thought they were hmm. trying to come back in every which way in that game against the Packers. Oh, really? Man, oh, man. I don't know. I thought, I thought Aaron Jones was just sensational. I, I really, really did. All right. Hey, we got a lot to cover on the show today. Let's get right to it. Um, and, by the way, Orley's going to start us off. Before we get to Orley. If you caught minor talk Saturday night with Adrian after the game, well, then you pretty much have heard everything we're about to play. But as we, uh, what's, what's customary on the show on a Monday, we like to give you the opening montage of clips from uh, Saturday night's minor talk after the UTEP New Mexico game. Here we go. We'll get your phone calls in as soon as we get a chance to uh, hear the best or the worst of minor talk from this past Saturday. They took a step back in their running game. Um, Gavin Hardison has not progressed from last year, and they rely too heavily on him. And whenever this team is down, they have no answers to kind of come back, bounce back, or any of that kind of stuff. So, again, I'm left with way more questions than I am answers. Uh, I have no clue where UTEP goes from here. Let's bring on one of our favorites. It's Ronnie, who's joining us first on the phone lines. You know, I said it last week. I'll say it again. The answer for the minors in the short term is just to play out the season, play as hard as you can. Um, and I would, I would still try to not have Hardison have to throw the ball 45 times. And that's your game plan going in. It's going to be tough. Uh, I know the league is down, but I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think there's any games I can say for sure on the Myers schedule. Oh, yeah, they're going to go and they're going to win that one. Alan, good evening. What's going on? 
But I tell you what, half the miners started running the ball and moving the ball, and all of a sudden they stopped and started throwing the ball every every play. You know, you've got two big bats, run the ball. All right, let's welcome on the co-host of Miner Talk, Sal Montes, onto the show. I got to ask this question to everybody else, uh, and I think it's a fair question. You guys let me know if I'm wrong, but are the Miners even going to win another game this season? I, mm. That's just the kind of energy that I'm getting and, and the impression that I'm getting throughout these first four games of the season. You know, I, I think if you ask anybody, would the Miners be one and three after their first four games? A lot of people would say, nah, maybe two and two at worst, possibly three and one. And uh, it, it's the complete opposite. Uh, first off, let's go to JJ Miners fan. JJ, what's going on? This is embarrassing. Seriously, this is embarrassing. They, they could not embarrass UTEP fans more than today. Uh, let's go to our friend Augustine. He's joining us after a long hiatus. All minor fans know that Dimmel hasn't been the answer. He had one lucky season. It's not on Hardison at all. The kid can play. Just, you know, there's no back backing from coaching or anybody there. Let's get out to Kevin. He wants to join in, talk a little UTEP football. Same story, just a different day. You know, that was the same thing that happened against NMSU. Same thing that happened against Oklahoma and North Texas. And I just don't see any improvement, man. And in year five, and Demo's like, uh, Dana Demo has just not been impressive, man. It's just not. You think he would have this program down by now, you know? And the fact that now that we actually have a pretty like competent schedule, to say the least, we're just not we're not getting those results. Good evening, Frank. What's going on? There's just been a dark cloud over this. You know, I'm going to take it a step further over this athletic department. I compare ourselves, obviously, to our, our friends up on I-10. And they've won a bowl game more recent than we have. What When's the last time we won? The sixth? Unbelievable. Our basketball program... Hasn't been to the tournament since 2010. Look at look at what all they've done. It's it's just so sobering. It, and today's another reminder that for all of our crowd that wants to go to the Mountain West, Adrian, look at this. This is oh man, this is terrible. It's just terrible. Wow, sounds like a crazy hour and change for you uh, when you were there on on Saturday night after the game, Adrian. You know, a lot of people ended up tuning into the Canelo Triple G fight, which I understand. So Twitter was a lot more active than the phones, but we still hung on for almost an hour 15, hour 30. Uh, on Saturday, it was a very emotional, fiery crowd of my, on Minor Talk, like you heard. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't blame the fans for being upset, for, for asking all these questions. And, you know, they, they, Felt really let down. I think the fan base is let down right now because they thought this team was going to uh, replicate a lot of last year's success, and that just hasn't been the case four games into the season. All right, let's start it off. 505-6009 here on Sports Talk with Orly. He'll be first up today uh, on a Monday afternoon. Orly, welcome aboard. Thanks for the call. Well, what can you say about you? That's been a disappointment. As a fan, we hope for a lot more. Um... There's no words. Uh, it's disappointing. Um, like I said, they were six and one. Now they're two and nine since the last eleven games. Two and nine. Yep. They beat Rice and New Mexico State since they were six and one. Did not deserve an extension on his contract. Should have waited to see what happened this year. That's Listen, my you can't, you can't, you can't do that. And I'm going to tell you why. Okay, you can't do that. Now here's why. And, and, and a lot of people are, are saying the same thing you are. And let me let me explain this to you. And I'll, well, I'll say this once, and hopefully it'll 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 ring true, and you'll understand. Okay, if you've got a head coach who takes the program rock bottom, and in year four or five, when seven games goes to a bowl game and nearly wins the bowl game, 
and you don't extend him, do you think there is any coach in America that would want to come to UTEP knowing that if they win and go to a bowl game, they do not get an extension? Like, if, if, the, if the reputation is out that you can win seven, go bowling, and still not get an extension, who in their right mind would want to come here and coach? Okay, I disagree because you're 6-1 and one and lost five in the last six games. You don't and understand. Then, you don't understand. If I'm a head coach and I'm looking at Dimmel and I'm realizing that that's a place where coaches go to die, and he won seven and is still not getting an extension, why would I want to have any desire to come to UTEP and coach and sign a contract if I know that the chances of me getting an extension are slim to none? Well, we're gonna we're gonna agree to disagree on that. But you haven't now, answered my but you haven't come, answered my but you haven't answered my question. Like you're just I, saying I, you're I, agreeing to disagree. disagree. What is the but what is your take? I mean, I get the idea of losing the games. All right, that I understand. But what I'm trying to tell you is, no coach is going to want to coach at a place if they know that coaches are not taken care of, and if you don't give the guy an extension after last season. UTEP is going to be known as the place that, no matter what you do, you're coaching out your five years, and you're probably going to be out of a job. So why would somebody possibly want to come and take that job? Because there's plenty of coaches out there that would to try to prove it again. You don't know out there. There may be a coach out there. You know what? Let me take a shot. Let me take a shot. Look at Kansas. They got a Division three coach. They're three and all. Of course, Ken, you can't compare. They've got a lot of money because of the Big Twelve. I understand that. But he went from seller to now he's three and zero. I know. He, I think he coached a Division three program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, I get it. I'm just, I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. In my yeah. mind, in my mind, Center had no, had had no, no. I mean, he had to do it. He had to. Uh, he had to make that extension. So you can disagree with me, which is fine, because it's easy to disagree now after they're one in four, or actually one in three. But guess what? A month ago, every fan that we spoke to said they were winning seven or eight games. Nobody predicted this. Nobody. So it's easy to come on the air and second guess when a team that everybody expected to improve has now gone backward, Orly. Well. I'm just saying, I just, I mean, it is what it is. Now, let's go to the NFL real quick. You know, I feel sorry for Trey Lance. It's a horrible, horrible way to go out with your career. Well, for the year. But what a break that they had uh, Jimmy G as the backup. Now, let's see what happens. My concern is he is injury prone. Who do we have as a backup in case of that? That's what they got to find. They got to get a backup. Yeah, they do. They, who's their, who is their yeah. backup right now? Who's their third string quarterback? Uh, Sutterfield. Sutter, Sutter, uh, okay, I can't think of the guy's name right now. Okay. Um, yeah, Sutterfield. Uh, I can't think of the guy's name right now. Okay. Yeah, Sutterfield. I think that's who it is. I can't remember the name. I Let mean, me I see here. It's, um, I think it's Brock Purdy. No, not Purdy. He was the uh, he was third, fourth. Brock Purdy oh, was a seventh-round draft pick from Iowa State. He's not on the oh, roster because, according to this, he is. Well, I thought they put him on the on the traveling squad. Well, maybe they bumped him up now. They may have bumped him up now. But, you know, I looked at the game. Yeah, it was a good game. It was a great win. 
Seattle's nobody. Seattle's a, is a, it's a, it's a team that's been a, uh, a thorn in our side for years. Now I want to see what they can do to Russell Wilson next week when they go into Denver. Yep. So, yep. That'll be a good one. Yep. All right, All right guys, we have a good day. Okay, Thanks for the call. Thanks for the call. Look, um, I'm not – I'll be honest with you. I'm not thrilled at all about what's going on at UTEP. I'll be the first to tell you. Everybody, they, they, are, they are right to be upset. No, I'm not disagreeing with anything fans are saying. All I'm saying is that last year, this was not a, this was not a difficult decision. This was, in my mind, in most minds, a, a no-brainer. And we'll get into more of that coming up in, in just a moment. And by the way, yeah, it's a little difficult now that uh, Dana Dimmel is going to be uh, under contract for two more years after this season. That definitely makes this situation uh, that much tougher. It really does. So we got a lot more to cover, 19 past the hour. We're live here at Border City Alehouse. Three hours of sports talk as we go to Charlie One and get this traffic update. $5 pints. I've got Mark. I want to get to Mark on the show. Uh, one thing, though, about Orly's call, okay, and again, Orly and I completely disagree on this, all right? Um, but we argued this when it happened. And you got to understand, folks, one thing, okay? If you're trying to attract coaches at a Division One for a head football job, and you ultimately go from a program that had one win in year one to seven wins, a bowl game, and nearly a, a defeat of Fresno in year four, and you choose to keep waiting and seeing and not offer that coach a contract extension, you've essentially turned your job into the worst job in college football. Because not only is it a hard place to win here, but now you're telling other people in, in the business that if you do win, you still have no chance to get a contract extension. And I'll tell you right now, but if you're looking for a new head coach and you treated that to, to Dana Dimmel, nobody worth a crap is going to want the job because they're going to see what they did with him and they're not going to want to come here because they're going to say, well, why should I come to UTEP? What if I win and you're going to tell me to win again and again? What's the point? So I don't believe that, um, that it was a mistake. I think that they gambled, and after four games, it looks like they lost. That's what it looks like. Because this team has obviously taken a step back. It's regressed. And now the season is very much in jeopardy after the loss to New Mexico. And with uh, Boise State coming in 16-point favorites, they're liable to just uh, shellac the minors. And the next thing you know, Adrian, this is a 1-4 football team heading into the rest of their Conference USA season. Yeah, I'll just bring up two examples to your point right now, Steve. Number one, you can look at last year's uh, handling of Doug Martin by the New Mexico Athletic Department. He entered the final year of his deal. He didn't have much success the year before. That was the kind of the writing was on the wall at that point with New Mexico State. And and how they felt about their then head coach in uh, Doug Martin, and they allowed him to ride out that year, and that was pretty much it. They were on to their next coach. But how would you do that same philosophy following a winning season like with UTEP and, and uh, of course, their athletic department? Uh, they went 7-6, first time winning seven games or more, or even a winning record since uh, 2014. So you have to reward that right there. Uh, and then another example is recruiting. 
opposing teams could go off to recruits that UTEP is trying to go after and say, hey, the coach hasn't signed any kind of extension. Are you sure he's going to be there? And yep. recruit against UTEP left and right and try to sway recruits from going to UTEP because of uh, an uncertainty possibly with their coaching staff, which uh, the athletic department wanted to say, hey, Dimmel's our guy. We trust Dimmel. We think he's going to build a winning program. And unfortunately for the athletic department, that, that hasn't panned out this year, or at least so far. Maybe they turn things around, but Steve, the, the schedule gets tougher moving forward. It doesn't get easier. Yep, that's true. Hey, by the way, what did the uh, what did Mario Mocha do with Doug Martin after that uh, big win in Tucson in the bowl game? Extension right away. He extended right away. Uh, Twenty seventeen. That was the season, and uh, yeah, it yep. was it was rightfully so. They he gave did- him a four year deal, not a two year deal. They gave him a four year deal. Exactly, and look at what UTEP did. Just two years for the extension for uh, for Dana Dimmel, not a four year extension. And they could have gone four years. They, they could have gone three plus, or you know, three plus one as well. I, they Absolutely. did not go that route. Absolutely. All right, we'll keep things moving. I've got two lines available if you want to get in. Five zero five six zero zero nine. That is our telephone number. Uh, let's go to Mark. He joins us on the show next. Hey, Mark, how are you? Hi. Good afternoon, Steve. Hi, Mark. A long time since I called, I was still calling the old phone number too. So. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's 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 hard to get used to something like that after so many years, thirty years of calling one number, changing it up. But I appreciate you uh, listening to us and calling in on the new number. Thank you. That's all right. We got the new app, so we just bought it there. Two Thank quick you. things. Um, I agree with you totally on Coach Dimmel's situation. Not only would it uh, inhibit any coaches coming, but it would really uh, hamper his recruiting. Yep. For, for next year and years to come. So that's about all I have to say about that. Okay. As far as uh, I only listen to the show during football season, usually I apologize for that. But uh, last week I listened to it for five minutes on Monday, and there were two Cowboy fans giving up for the season, crying already. And uh, I wonder how they're feeling today as loyal fans giving up after one loss. And, uh, I hope they they learn a lesson from that. But uh, that's all I got is, and for all your Eagles fans there, go Vikings. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Appreciate you getting in. And uh, you're right. If you listen to us on the app, it you can call into the show. You don't have to worry about remembering the number or anything. You all you do is uh, call. You just hit the little option to call the program, and it does it for you. So a great way to really endorse. Uh, our mobile app, which is brought to you by uh, First American Bank. All right, as we continue here on Sports Talk, uh, we'll get to more calls in a moment. But first, let's go to Adrian. He's standing by. Bottom of the hour, Sports Center updates next. Adrian brought us. All right, Adrian, thank you very much uh, for that update. As we continue uh, here on the program, uh, let's get right back to it. And uh, let's go next to Richard, who joins us on the phone lines uh, as we continue. Richard, thanks for waiting. How are you? Go Gators, man. Hey, go Gators from Richard. That's right. You got, you got a new girl answering the phone. She, I guess she doesn't know. Anyhow, That's okay. I like I like the fact that it's just Richard. That makes me guess. Now I'm wondering if you it's... guess. Keep you guessing. I, after you insulted me last week, I was debating whether or not to even call in, man. <laughs> Hurt my feelings. Well, you get, listen, man. You got to call in after a hard-fought three-point win over South Florida. Who has to call in? You do. No, no, no. I'm calling in to reiterate what I said 
last week about these coaches sitting on the fence. And then you called me out and said, oh, you're just like someone else. It's a San Francisco fan. Yeah, I called you Orly. Exactly. You completely, you completely whiffed on that call, didn't you? Now, now, what are you guys leading the show with? Well, you know, uh, we can't fire Dimel because he just got an extension, and UTEP they're not just going to pay the man. Look what, look what a real football program in Nebraska. Look what they did. They could have waited till October one and only paid the guy half. No. No, no, no. After that embarrassing loss, they fired him that same evening and, and took the $8 million hit. Instead of you really, giving the you, guy you really, $8 million, yeah. Yeah, you instead want to of compare. paying him $8 million, they paid him $16 million, and they said, get out of town, Jack. I know, but you want, to, you want to compare Nebraska to UTEP when it comes to financial resources? I'm saying either you have integrity as a, as a football program. I mean, last I checked, El Paso is still part of Texas, right? Isn't Texas in their name? Yeah. Like University of Texas, El Paso, Texas yeah. is in there somewhere, right? That's correct. So, um, yeah, tell me, just I tell checked, me, just out of curiosity, let's just say you want to fire Dimmel today, right? You want to fire him today. Yeah. Uh, where, are you, where are you coming up with two and a quarter million? Well, where are they coming up with two and a quarter million to begin with? No, it's seven fifty a year, but it's guaranteed money, just like every other well, college football you know contract. What? You want to have credibility with some new recruit, some high school kid that's looking at some ratty-ass school in El Paso. Why do I want to go to that school? Man, it's hot there. Or, man, I don't know. I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb going there. I don't I don't speak Spanish. Why would I want to go to that school? Because you okay. just watched it. You know why? Because you saw a guy last night on Sunday Night Football run for a couple of touchdowns, become the player of the game, and uh, realize that uh, he was uh, wearing this UTEP jersey five, six years ago. That's why. That, that's a good recruiting thing, and, and too bad they didn't have NIL back then. Okay? So what I'm getting at, Steve, you want to have credibility as a football program, then have have some integrity, okay, and say, yeah, you know what, we're done with Dimel, the Fugazi coach, okay, the the zirconian coach, Dimel. Remember that from back in the day, Dimel. Got to explain that to you. Next, you'll be asking me what centaur means, okay. Both of those guys, embarrassing, embarrassing. That one guy doesn't just stand up and say. Yeah, you know what? It's time to go, man. I'm sorry. You know, go go to the greener pastures. But Utah doesn't fire coaches. You know what they do? They put they give them a, a job. Oh, like like Nord, he was still with Utah even after supposedly he got fired. He was out there like you know changing light bulbs or something. Same with Price. He he was hanging out all the way up until what a couple seasons ago when when. Uh, What's his face? Crueler got fired in midseason. Remember so that? So listen, listen, listen. You can talk. You can keep going and going and going. The point is, in your mind, it's it's a no-brainer. You fire Dana Dimmel after four games so far this season. Correct? You do exactly what you do exactly what Nebraska did. Same thing. Exactly. Just okay. just fire him. Fire okay. him now. There it is. Just fire him. All right. 
Well, it's easy. It's easy. I, I love it. That's that is that is about as you know that that's one way to look at it. That really is. Richard's got a solution. The solution is come off a seven win season. You're one in three. You lose to New Mexico. Fire him and don't even let him make a trip back to El Paso. All right. That's that's Richard. As we keep things moving, uh, let's uh, keep going. And I believe um, we've got uh, Joel on the lines right now. Thirty six pass. The sports talk continues. Joel, what's going on? Hey. Uh... Well, I hate to agree with this pass caller, but um, I'm not saying fire him. Um, he's just not a good coach. Um, and even last last year, we bring up this bowl season. He he did he had a couple of games there where you know they were easy games. He didn't beat anybody out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. No, I, I don't disagree and, with that. I don't. He's not had a he has not had a great win since he's been at UTEP. That is a hundred percent accurate, and I agree with you. And I, I do agree with you. I think, and I think all we're asking for as fans is to be competitive in these games. Man, it just seems like by halftime, some of these you, you know how it's going to end. It's just they they have no life at the end, and I think it's it all goes down back to coaching. And I know they had to give him an extension and all that. I mean, I agree with what you're saying. But but based on that season, that bowl season wasn't impressive, even though it was a bowl season. You know, you can't really call it that when you have uh, Division Two opponents on your schedule. So that's just my two cents. I, I just I don't I don't see this getting better. Well, unfortunately, not many people do right now. Because even let's put it this way. If Boise wins, right, then, Joel, they're one in four. So they would have to go five and three in conference, and that means really five and two because they've already lost to North Texas. So they would have to win five of their last seven games just to become bowl eligible at six and six. Absolutely, and I don't so, see them winning. Let me ask you this: Would would UTEP have to buy him out if he resigns? Uh no, they would not. No. If a coach resigns, maybe, then that pretty much, can, you know. Yeah, maybe he can feel the pressure. If people don't show up, if people, you know, call and they're angry, and, and because the product is just not there at the fifth year. And so, maybe he'll kind of stand up and, and resign and, 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 and not make us having to buy him out. Joel, I appreciate the call. Um, the last time a coach resigned was Sean Kugler. Following the, let me think here. So Sean went seven and six his second year. Then he went five and seven, four and eight. And I believe, was he, was he 0 and three to start the year when he resigned in that uh, following season? It was after the Army game. I'm not sure if it was 0 and three, 0 and four, but it was definitely after that game when he resigned. Uh, and I'd also point you to Rodney Terry. He also resigned from UTEP men's basketball as a, as a previous head coach over there as well. That's true. Resigned to take an assistant job, which still is uh, is, is wild to think about. Uh, all right, let's put it this way, all right? And this is the interesting thing. Adrian, you did some digging. You, uh, you were looking at Scott Frost at Nebraska and Dana Dimmel at UTEP. That's right, Scott Frost, 16-31 and 31 record at Nebraska, no winning record ever while he was at Nebraska. Dana Dimmel, 13-36, and 36, pretty identical records, but he did have a winning record under his belt. So eh, just kind of comparison. Look, understand one thing, okay? Nebraska's in the Big Ten. 
they get more money in TV revenue than UTEP could ever dream of in their entire athletic budget, probably over a 10-year period. So when you look at the dollars spent, you can't compare the two. It's One's a Power Five in the Big Ten. The other is UTEP. And UTEP, we said it earlier, they, it's not like they just have $2 million wait, laying around or you could just convince a coach to suddenly resign who believes there's plenty of football left to try to turn this around. So the sad part is right now, Adrian, uh, unless you are the, unless you're minor Ed and the most diehard of fans, you've already given up on this year after four games. That's really sad. It is because of the talent that's coming back. It's it's because of uh, what what this team was last year and how they kind of gave a lot of the UTEP fans hope. And it's not like they lost uh, the the whole defense, or it's not like they lost the whole offense. They brought back uh, a substantial amount of guys on both sides of the ball. They still have that talent uh, returning from last year. It's just not connecting. It's not clicking for some reason. All right, we got full phone lines. We'll get right back to the calls in a moment. Hanging with you live here. Borders to the Yale House, 1506 Lee Trevino. Two Monday night games coming up. We'll keep things moving with your calls as Sports Talk rolls along. It's 600 ESPN El Paso. Ed, Richard, and Pete this segment. Adrian, quickly, you just heard the last uh, batch of calls. Uh, give me your uh, reaction. Yeah, I don't blame minor fans for being upset, but you also have to be realistic. Dana Dimmel's not going anywhere, if you, and if you're a UTEP fan, you have to just let that settle in. And if uh, you want to be doom and gloom about things, that's that's your prerogative right there. But uh, this is there's not going to be any kind of change in a head coaching staff in the head coaching staff uh, in the near future. No, I don't see that either. All right, let's go to Ed. He joins us next as Sports Talk continues. Ed, what's going on, man? Thanks for the call. How are you? Doing all right, Ed. How are you? Good. All right. You know I'm going to look for a silver lining, so here it is for me, okay? First of all, there's a lot of negativity, and it's been like that all year. It's granted. It, 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 the record uh, substantiates that. But first of all, Let's talk about that defense because I think that defense is starting to gel. I think that defense is starting to get back to where they were last year, and I don't even think they've peaked, and I think they're just getting better and better. And we've got a couple of superstars that are coming up. One of them is Kobe Hilton, and the other one is that middle linebacker. And don't forget we played that game without one of our top defensive linemen. So I think the defense is getting to a point where they're just getting better every week. And I'm going to predict and say that that defense will keep us in games for the rest of the year. Uh, I also think the special teams is improved. And I think special teams has gotten better. Now, when it comes to the offense, I think fans are frustrated because they don't see a lot of creativity. Uh, I can't remember that running back or the fullback. That guy's amazing. He's, he, he doesn't get enough praise. Um, the running back, the big fullback, the kid from uh, East Texas, he's amazing. They usually pull him out of the backfield once, and he catches the ball, and he has a lot of energy. We need to give him the ball more. I also want to know, what's going on with our tight end? What happened to Trent Thompson? Last year, we were throwing screens to him. We were, had him coming out and doing five- and ten-yard uh, outs and hitting him the ball. I mean, we're, what's happened to him this year? And what's happened to having a running back come around on these uh, on these plays? Because everybody knows that we're throwing the ball downfield, so they're basically rushing 
their players and they're not keeping anybody in the linebacker spot and the, the field is wide open for a running back coming out of the backfield. So to me, the problem is not Dimmel. We had a lot of problem with guys that should have performed better, including our quarterback. It's not Dimmel's responsibility uh, or it's not his fault that we've got players throwing uh, passes to guys that are three and four guys around our receiver and that's what was happening when you were listening to Sports Talk and John Teicher. They were saying, oh, my gosh, there's three Sherry guys around our receiver. There's four guys. He was throwing in the double and triple coverage, and they knew it. it was, he's too predictable. Ed, and Ed, so- Ed, Ed, stop, Ed, stop. Ed, do you believe that Gavin Hardison is calling the plays himself at the line of scrimmage? No, this is what I'm saying, Steve. What I'm saying well, you know, is, you're, you're saying it's, that it's not Dibble's fault, but you're talking about the play selection. Who do you think calls the plays, I, Ed? I understand, Steve, but what I'm saying is, it's not Dimmel's responsibility to be checking off. If he's throwing at a receiver and he's got three guys around him, then there's another receiver that's open, and that's not what's happening. He's too predictable right now. And that's, so you're that's, telling that's me this is all saying. on Gavin. You're saying this is all on Gavin Hardison, and he well, should be changing the plays at the line of scrimmage. Let me tell you something. There was there was numerous. Is that, no, but am I am I right there? Am I, Ed, am I am I correct with that? Is that is that what you're trying to say? I don't think Gavin is playing good right now. Okay, that's my. That's, point. Listen, that's, that's all you that's, had to say, Ed. That's all. That's all you had to say. So yeah, and you know now, I'm going to stick up for I'm going to stick up for Dimmel. I know. I know, but you want to know something? I don't disagree with you about Gavin, but here's what you got to do, okay? If Gavin's not playing well and he's throwing into triple and quadruple coverage, you have to set him up and put him in a spot to get into a little rhythm, get some confidence, develop a short game that you haven't even used this year. You have to put your quarterback in a spot to succeed, Ed. I I agree with you. I agree with you 100%, and I think that's something that needs to be implemented, but I want you to know something. I don't believe in keeping him there the whole game if he's not doing good. I think I think it's, it would be good for him to maybe sit out a half a game or a full game. I don't, I'm not opposed to that. They don't have anybody else, Ed. I mean, if you haven't noticed, yeah, they, they haven't exactly I, I, been rec- – they haven't been recruiting quarterbacks to put any pressure on Gavin and 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 really compete for his job. It's a much I, yeah. when you look at the quarterback room, this is a Gavin has a long leash because there's really nobody else that right now looks like they can go in and take his job. With you, I like the ba- I like the second string quarterback. Don't forget what he did against North Texas two years ago. I like that kid, and and I've I've always thought that he's been talented enough to play. One other thing here. You could you could essentially take Dimmel off the offensive calling, give it to an offensive coordinator, and let Dimmel focus on the offensive line because last year we were one of the top teams in Conference USA and I think even the country in pass protection, and we're not quite there this year. All right. Ed, appreciate the call. Adrian, there is so much to Ugh. unwrap on that phone call. Yeah, seriously. We need, we need more time. We're out we of do. time this hour, but we need more time. And we have more calls to get to because there's a ton of stuff from that call with Ed I want to talk about. But I also want to get to our other callers. We'll do that in a moment. Sports Talk continues live from the Alehouse, 600 ESPN El Paso. 
Welcome back, everybody, as we continue with the start of our second hour. We're live. Two more hours to go out here. Border City L House, 1506 Lee Trevino. We have incredible prizes we're going to be giving away. We're going to tell you about those in a moment. We've had callers all show. They keep moving. Do we still have uh, Westside Richard and Pete? All right. I want to get to the calls. 505-6009. That's 505-6009. That last call with Ed had I had a lot of things I want to talk about that, but we've had so many callers uh, hang with us through that last break. Let's get right to them, and then we'll, we'll pick things up where we left off last hour. Uh, Richard, you're first up. Thanks for the call. What's going on? No, thank you for taking me. How are you, Steve? I'm all right, Richard. What's going on with you? So, excuse me, I'm going to go quick because I'm going to give everybody a chance. We're going to start with the alma mater. We barely, even though the score doesn't show it, 41-20, we barely squeaked by with the win against UTSA. Oh, yeah. UTSA was winning in that game, and believe me, they they were impressive. They they put a scare into the Texas Longhorns in a big way. No, they did, but I just got to preface this. When UTSA plays UTEP, I mean, just, just do like Triple G did and take the punches and go down. <laughs> that being said, you know what, Steve? You and I, we, we, we grew up here. We're, we're from this area. I'm going to go back to 1990. Why am I saying this? Because this isn't a new thing. I'm not blaming Demo. I'm not blaming Kugler. I'm not blaming Nord. I'm not blaming Stahl. I'm not blaming everybody in between us. The vehicle, the University of Texas at El Paso, not the coaches, not the players. They come here to try to make it better. The vehicle of administration, of athletic directors, of facilities is subpar. Every, nobody comes into a job and says, I'm going to suck. I'm going to do who I'm going to try to suck. Nobody does. I commend Coach Dimmel all the way through everybody back to Stoll for trying to do their best. Yeah. But it's the facility. You can't compete. You can't. And, and I hate, and you know what, El Paso? Own your sloppiness. When I say this, it's like, you don't support the team. You don't go to events. You don't buy your ah, – I'm not a UTEP guy. <laughs> so, don't, so don't nobody come at me with, like, Richard, you need – no. Texas guy here, I literally fly across the state to go watch Texas games before I go support UTEP. That's a personal thing. We can talk about it one day. All I got to say is, like, UTEP fan, and I said it last week, you are Dallas Cowboy fan. Every year you're like, this is our year. This is our year. This is our year. And ever since 1960, or for the Cowboys, 1996, it's not your year. But don't blame the coaches. Don't blame the players. Blame yourselves. Blame the facility. Blame the administration. The vehicle sucks. And that being said, Texas Tech, you're going to get your butt beat on Saturday. Q, yours going to be back, Steve. I'll leave you with that. Man. I don't know what you have to say. But thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. All right. Uh, listen, I want to get to the next call. Then we'll catch up with everything that everybody has to say. Pete's also been hanging on through the break. Let's get him next. Pete, welcome aboard. Thanks for the call. How are you? Hey, man, I'm doing good. Thanks for taking my call, guys. Sure, Pete. Yeah, uh, a lot of interesting topics and ideas going around. But the truth of the matter is, you know, you, you did the right thing by having to sign demo to extension after Absolutely. a promising year. You can't compare the UTEP program to the Nebraska programs. It's apples and oranges. We just don't have that lump sum of cash sitting in between mattresses to pay out our coaches. But at the same time, I can definitely feel the frustration of minor fans, myself included, right? We come off an amazing year and a lot of promise going into this year with a lot of returning starters on both sides of the ball. Mm -hmm. So what gives, right? you got to put the blame where it it lies. I think there's some blame to be placed on Hardison for his decision-making. I think a lot of blame is to be um, passed on to 
Dimmel. I think he needs to relinquish the offensive play calling and give it to, rightfully so, an offensive coordinator. Let him focus on the overall game. But I think there's also still a um, – I don't think there's any trust out there yet. If you look at the way Hardison and Tyron Smith are trying to connect and, you know, very early on in the, in the season – Man, there were some heartbreaking drops by him, and I don't think he's still in rhythm. Either there's no rhythm, or he just doesn't trust him anymore. And that's hard to swallow because right there, those two can create some playmaking opportunities. And we've seen it, right? Even most recently in Albuquerque, where Tyron Smith fumbled the ball as the one. I mean, those are things where, as a quarterback, I think he tends to lose his trust with his players, or at least with Tyron Smith. And you take that passing game away, we have great running backs, but then when defense hones in on the box, then you're forcing Hardison to throw that ball downfield, and if he doesn't have the trust with the receivers, there's just no going nowhere. And I think that's why when everybody talks about what the identity of our offense is this year, every week we talk about it. There's no identity, and I think this is the reason why. There's just no trust, maybe just no rhythm in there, and that's difficult to do because now that's, our schedule just gets that much harder. And you look at teams like UTSA, the way they held their own against UT, uh, UT it doesn't get any easier for these guys to, to buy that time to get that rhythm going. Yeah. I think Pete, just the play calling needs thing, to Pete, get better. You know, Pete, you're talking about trust factor. Listen, um, Hardison targeted Tyron Smith 17 times in that football game. 17 targets. He caught eight passes for 183 yards. Now, granted, one of those uh, was the 76-yard pass that he fumbled, uh, or the catch he fumbles uh, on the way to the end zone. But even if you take that away, that's still seven catches for 107 yards and 17 targets. So to me, I get what you're saying, but there is a trust factor because if there wasn't a trust factor, he wouldn't be targeting Tyron Smith 17 times in a football game. Uh, maybe that's the case, but who else is he going to? That, that uh, might Flores be the only option second, checking downfield. So, so, so Flores was second with 11 targets, and then Kelly Akari was targeted eight times. But here's what's wild, okay? So Tyron Smith catches eight passes out of 17 targets. They they targeted Ray Flores 11 times, but he only gets three catches. They target Kelly Akari eight times, but he only gets three catches. So, again, part of the problem is... 20 out of 45 is not going to cut it, even with 299 yards. We said it earlier, you have to complete close to 60% of your passes to have a real shot to win, and when you complete 40%, it's not going to get it done, Pete. And maybe it's his decision-making out on the field, Hardison. You know, he, he's a seasoned quarterback. He's got the talent. Maybe it's a decision-making. Maybe it's the play-calling. Something's got to give, though, because that offense that was out there this week and even the New Mexico State game just didn't look like the UTEP that had the opportunity and the, the capabilities of really scoring, right? I mean, we, we saw under North Texas, we saw them be explosive. The second half of that Oklahoma game, they came out and they played UTEP football and they put points on the board. These last two, whether they you know, played to the level of their opponents or whatever you want to give the excuse, just wasn't there, and that's why there's always that question of that identity of the offense. It's just I'm with you. unrecognizable. Right. Appreciate the call. Thanks for getting in. Um, again, I don't blame. You know, I think the calls right now are, are, are pretty much right on. Pete was a, was a really good phone call. 
Adrian, there's so much. I, I don't even know. If I tried to break things down, I'd be on until 7 o'clock still talking about this subject right now. There's so much there. There really is. Yeah, but real quick on uh, on Ed's take, because I can't let him get away with this, on the Calvin Brown-Holtz, Gavin Hardison benching. And, I, and I've seen this on Twitter where fans are saying, well, well, just bench him. Just you know, forget it. No, they don't have another option. Calvin Brown-Holtz is their change of pace wildcat quarterback who's going to come in and he's going to take snaps and he's going to run the football. They used him last year uh, in that bowl game as a trickery. Now, I get it. He had uh, a nice game when he was thrust into the mix because Hardison was out in that North Texas game during the pandemic shortened season. But I, I would throw that one out of the mix and you just have to look at Calvin Brown's holds as a backup. He's somebody who only comes in as an insurance policy. Hardison is their guy. They trust Hardison. They believe in him. And, you know, for better or for worse, he's going to be their quarterback moving forward. Now, as far as the scoring, Steve, UTEP has only scored five touchdowns in four games. That's the biggest issue right there with this UTEP offense. Comparing this to just their opponents, their opponents average about 15 touchdowns right now. That That's just the opponents they've played thus far. 15 total touchdowns early on into the season, while UTEP can only muster five? I mean, that's a huge, that's a glaring issue right there offensively. All right, before I get to Danny, uh, it's my turn on this whole this whole subject. Okay, as far as Calvin, I agree with you completely. Look, in the three years that Gavin has been the starting quarterback, UTEP has never recruited or brought in a transfer quarterback from the portal that has ever really been a threat to Gavin. Nobody has come in where you could look and say, that's going to be a great quarterback competition. He's got a real chance to take Gavin's job. Gavin has, and maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe the problem is Gavin has so much job security, he knows he's never going to be benched. But on the flip side, let's peel it back a layer, right? So one of the things I've seen this season is that the more I've watched Hardison this year, I realize something. I realize that Jacob Cowing... And Justin Garrett helped make Gavin these last two seasons. Because when he threw that ball up, they were coming down with it, especially Cowing. But Garrett did it too, okay? We haven't seen that the same way this season, the way we saw it the last couple of years. If anything, we see a lot of incomplete passes. We saw some picks on Saturday night. And we noticed that there was a big drop-off with this season because of the situation losing Cowing and Garrett the way they did. So if that's the case, you have to play to your quarterback's strengths. And it's not throwing the ball 30 yards downfield in triple or quadruple coverage. That's not going to get it done. Or fire it downfield and hope that your receiver comes down with it. You need to bring a short game back. You need to throw the ball to your fullback. You need to throw the ball to your tight ends. You need little quick out passes, which they've done in the past. They need to get back. You have to give a guy like Gavin some confidence. Get him in a rhythm, Adrian, so that when it is time to throw it downfield, he's got that confidence, and the defense isn't expecting that pass the way they have been so far this season. Part of the problem is when you don't have a running game and you're not going to it or the short game and you're throwing the ball down the field 30 yards every time, defenses can key on that. And you have to get keep these defenses honest. But until you start to bring that short game back on the offensive side, defenses are going to play the same way New Mexico did all season. 
you know, they, they had a nice short passing game against Oklahoma, and I wish UTEP would just bring that back. I mean, how hard is it to just replicate what you did against the Sooners against all these other teams? I felt like as soon as Hardison threw that pick six, that was very early in the game. I'm talking six minutes to go in the first quarter. As soon as he threw that, the play calling became way too aggressive. They were they acted as if they were down 50 to nothing in the first half, and in reality, it, the deficit was overcome. You could overcome that kind of deficit right there, down 10 nothing. They could have been more patient. They could have run the ball a little bit more. And I put that on the game management, and that, that falls on Dimmel in the, in the offense. Like You have to be better as far as managing that. He took ownership today when, when uh, asked by media members about the play distribution, kind of managing the game. That's been the biggest thing right there. Absolutely. All right, let's get to Danny. Then we'll take our first break of the hour uh, as the Buffalo Bills, Tennessee Titans are getting ready to kick off out here at Border City L House. You want to come watch it with us? You can do so. 1506 Lee Trevino. Our phone number is 505-6009. Danny, welcome aboard. Oh, hello. Hi, Danny. Yeah, um, I want to ask you something, Steve. Uh, how many guys did the Miners lose on, lose on their offensive line this year? None. None. That's the problem. That offensive line is not opening any holes whatsoever. They got no running games, and all the teams know that. They got to get the running game going. Hardison is not the problem. He's thrown some beautiful passes right in their hands, and they dropped them, or I don't know. But they got to get that running game going because they have no running. It's like they have a whole brand-new offensive line out there. Did they change coaches or, or what? What's going on? Well, I watched the New Mexico game, and Danny, they ran the ball fine. They were averaging 4.4 yards a carry. That's that's not bad. That's not two or three yards. That's nearly five yards a carry. And they ran the ball eight times to Awat, seven times to Hankins. So our question is, why not run the ball more? In other words, you, you they, they put the ball in the air 45 times. They ran the ball 15 times. And they, they, they're, they're a running team. That's their identity. So I'm, I'm with you on the sense that they haven't run the ball well, but it's not necessarily because the running backs aren't getting it done or the offensive line hasn't. They just haven't run the ball. Like, this team offensively has not committed to running the football in these, in these four games so far. They could not run the ball against New Mexico State. I mean, it was just, it was pitiful seeing that running game. Hankins, I don't know. Where's Hankins? He's not the same Hankins from last year. Well, and, I, saw, uh, I, saw, I saw a different Deion Hankins than you did Saturday. I saw Hankins that was running angry, running to get his starting job back. And to me, I thought Hankins ran the ball really well Saturday in the seven carries he got the ball. The problem was he didn't get the ball after that. And as far, yes. as, you know, as, far as the New Mexico State game goes, he had four carries. Four carries. So, I mean, that's what are you going to do when you get the ball four times in a football game? I think they just have no, no confidence in the running game. I, it's a very pitiful, pitiful running game, and I think that's the problem. If they can get the running game going, it will open things wide open for Hardison, and he'll tear them apart. And what I saw in the New Mexico game and the North Texas game, the miners looked better, powerful. The first half, the second half. Like, if the other team makes adjustments, and the, the Miners have no answers for their adjustments. So, I think that goes down from, that's coaching. That's what I think. Now, I'm agreeing with you on the lack of, of, of adjustments, especially in the second half, Danny. I, I do agree there completely, and I appreciate the phone call. 
Adrian, you tell me. I mean, I am not ready to say that this team can't run the football because we really have never seen them run the ball in a game. Even New Mexico State, I was looking at the numbers. You know, you want to say they didn't run the ball. Ronald Awat had 21 carries for 115 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, the play distribution should be a lot more even than we're seeing right now, Steve. I, you look back to the first two years of Data Dimmel, 2018-2019, uh, granted, Kyle Oxley was their quarterback, but they would favor the run heavily. I mean, it was probably 70% run run uh, oriented offense for the UTEP Miners. And this past weekend, uh, you know, you, you have just... 21 carries compared to 46 pass attempts. That's a lopsided. This is a pass-first team right now. That's what UTEP is. Until they can prove to people that they'll commit to the run, that they'll try to establish the run, they're a pass-first team for better or for worse. And just this past weekend, only eight rush attempts in the first half. And then they have uh, 13 rush attempts in the second. That's just not enough. That's not enough to get any of your running backs going. But they're throwing the ball like it's Mike Price, but they don't have Mike Price personnel. It's uh, uncalculated decisions on both ends, on the play calling end and the quarterback side of things. I, I just don't think they're they're humming on any cylinders when it comes to the deep ball game. They've got to establish the short pass or the middle passing game instead of trying to chuck it deep every time. 505-6009 is our telephone number. 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. Uh, we've got plenty more to talk about, including awards to hand out. We've got the Buffalo-Tennessee game going on right now, and uh, it looks like they are on the move already. Um, Singletary with a big carry and uh, a first down for Buffalo. We'll keep you updated on that and a whole lot more right after Charlie won with traffic. Seven times. That's true. Four picks and three fumbles lost. Adrian, that's, I mean, the seven turnovers is a huge problem. We buried the lead for sure, Steve. That That's the glaring issue. The amount of turnovers that they had, it was fumbles, it was three interceptions, four if you include Calvin Brownholt's one pass attempt. Uh, yeah, it's just a, a disastrous night for the offense. And yeah, you can talk about the defense and give them their flowers and all that kind of stuff, but the offense is the glaring, glaring issue with this team. Listen, the Smith fumble was a killer. They're down 20-3. to It's the start of the second half. They could have had almost an 80-yard touchdown, and, and all of a sudden, as he's going into the end zone, um, you know, the ball gets knocked out into the pylon at the touchback. That was such a momentum killer because you wonder. You know, you score like that, and New Mexico was bad in the second half. The minors might have been worse, but, hey, it's 20-10 to game. You get a little momentum. Everything changes. But that play absolutely killed them. And there were plenty of plays that absolutely killed them. But that's just uh, one of many as we continue live out here from Border City Yellow House, 1506, Lee Trevino. Uh, meanwhile, the app is kicking. Here it is with the app. Scanner uh, messages us uh, about 40 minutes ago. Gator Richard is a sad, angry man with an inflated ego. Nice job stopping that escalating train wreck. Hey, I was told from some of my listeners I went on, I, I left them on too long, Adrian. I didn't cut them off soon enough. Yeah, I, I got that as well. Um, I, I'm not uh, faulting you because I, I want to hear what Gator Richard says. Like He always puts a lot of things in his uh, comments, and then he finally gets to his point at the end. So sometimes he drags on, but I think it's uh, a strategy on his end. Robert uh, messages us on the app. Hey, guys, great show. Was it just me during the second quarter, or did they run the ball three times, got the first down after that, threw 15 passes in a row? They actually did run it only three times, so he's exactly right on that. 
Man, oh man, that is that is uh, it's crazy. It really is. So some interesting stats from our listeners uh, listening to us on our mobile app and messaging us as well as we continue here on the program. All right, 505-6009, that is our telephone number. Uh, how about this stat from UTEP Zay? UTEP right now is first in the country in pass attempts with 161. 161 pass attempts in their four games is number one in the nation. That is just the weirdest stat you'll ever hear. Oh, and by the way, Steve, they're last. I just I looked this up on my end. They are last in Conference USA in team pass efficiency. So there you oh, go. Yeah. They can't complete the passes. They've, they've been under 50% in three of their four games. In fact, the game where they had the best passing was Oklahoma, incredibly enough. That was the game where they were getting the passing going, and they actually played really well with the passing game. Other than that, the, the other three have been a disaster. All right, let's go back to the phones. First, we've got Daniel joining us next, uh, 27 past. Hey, Daniel, what's happening? Not much. I've got the call of the day that might top Orly. Go ahead. <laughs> and this is a goodie. With about three minutes to go in the fourth quarter, John Teicher, the radio guy, said it the best. He goes, I can't believe it. Eight turnovers in the game. It actually turned about be seven for UTEP and two for New Mexico. Oh, yeah. It was one of the ugliest football games you'll ever watch. There, there is no denying that. It was, a, it was in terms of uh, sloppiness, it was about as bad as you'll get. So I, I agree with him there. Absolutely agree with him. Yeah, but to have your radio guy make that type of comment on the air, that's unbelievable. Why? John's been doing is, these games. What? John's been doing these games for forty plus years. If anybody's going to see it, it's going to be John. He's been he's seen it all over the forty years. So why is that an unbelievable comment? Talking about the fact that you know it's uh, it's it's, it's been that turnover. It. It's just the way he said it. Yeah. Let me tell you something. John's been on the microphone watching a lot of UTEP games, and football-wise, uh, no human being should have to endure what he has behind the microphone since the early 80s. By the way, Steve, uh, this has been the first time that UTEP or, or any UTEP team uh, in football had over seven turnovers, seven or more turnovers in 17 years. So there you go. That just shows the rarity of having seven turnovers in a single game. Hey, that's the Mike Price era 17 years ago. That was like 2005. The only difference was they were winning that year. I believe it. That's true. Eight wins that season. All right. They probably won the game. Who knows? Thanks for the phone call, Daniel. We'll keep moving right now. Go to George. He's next up on the show as we hit the bottom of the hour. And the Bills have just scored for the first time. So Gilliam with the touchdown reception and run, and they get an early lead on Tennessee. George, what's going on? How are you? Okay, so uh, you totally hit it on the, the nail on the head about demo and, and, and just realizing and utilizing what he has. The talent that he has right now is, is no longer the talent that he had last year. Uh, along with Hardison, Hardison has regressed. Instead of getting better year after year, it seems like this year he just got worse. And, I mean, I, I agree with the, one of the callers is that the defense is is picky, is gelling a little better yet. But remember, in football, it has to be about complementary. If sure. your offense is doing good, your defense is doing good, they're off the field, they're they're making plays, 
They're they're getting that rest to get in there and 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 fight to get that ball back for you. And if you do get the ball back, please, for God's sake, score. You know, I, I, I'm I'm like really disappointed that last year we had this great season, and I had high expectations for the miners, and 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 they just come out flat. They don't look uh, like they want to play. I mean, honestly, the the kids look disappointed. Like they were expecting, like like Santa Claus came but didn't bring the right toy or something. What do you think? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I'll say this about about Gavin. I do, I've said at the start of the year that I thought the key to the season was Gavin Hardison. I still believe that. And if he's struggling to make the pass down the field like he has been, play to his strengths. Give him some shorter passes. Utilize your short game. Throw a couple screens. Go with the tight end. Go with the fullback. Throw a little out pattern. And then... Set up the deep ball. It's almost like they're doing the opposite. They're, they're throwing deep to try to set up the short game. It's it's just it's not conducive to this personnel, George. Oh, what's the deal there? I wish I knew, man. I'm not in the. I mean, I, you I got listen, A-Rod, I'm you not, got Hankins. Hankins was doing a little good uh, in in the last uh, parts of the game. Uh, I turned it off actually, and and I was getting the updates from from my son, and I mean it was like. I I think even with those seven turnovers, we still had we had we not turned it over so much. I think we we would have still had a pretty decent shot. Not only that, but you also have to think about the Smith run that ended up in a fumble that ended up a touchback that blew the air right out of our sails. Hundred percent. That was a killer. That was an absolute killer to that team offensively. I, I agree with you, George. I appreciate the phone call. Thanks for getting in. I, I'm, that's, that was the play that ultimately doomed them in that second half. And you don't want to say one play did it, but think about it. What a momentum shift that was. Huge. All right. Bottom of the hour as Sports Talk continues. I've got more calls coming up, more messaging on the app, including one specifically for Chema. I'll get to that. But first, let's go to Adrian in this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Thank you very much. As we continue here on the program, 505-6009 is our telephone number. Let's go to Rob. He's next on the lines. Hey, Rob, what's happening? Hey, Steve, what's going on? You are, Rob. Appreciate the call. Yeah, I actually wanted to talk boxing, but one one quick nugget about the UTEP game that you might actually find funny. Um, I wasn't too upset about the outcome only because I had a 12-leg parlay going. Uh, and I missed it by two games. Had I missed it by only the UTEP game, I would have been really upset. But the fact that I missed it by two, um, not surprised. But that, you took the, you took the minors. The you took the minors minus three. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> the good news is, I and I don't know about this or not, but I, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, Adrian. But have the minors covered yet no. this season? They are 0 and 4 against the spread. Steve. That's what I thought. And they're 16 point dogs at home to Boise. So if that tells you anything, maybe that's where you need to look at for uh, Friday night. Yeah. That and yeah, but you know, my Broncos aren't doing too hot, but um as far as the fight on Saturday, I was actually really disappointed and Me too. Um just some of the some of the commentary and and analysis just because well, did you maybe, watch it on the zone or did you watch it on Azteca like I did? Uh, I watched it on on the zone, but okay. Um, yeah, I, I was just disappointed in 
um, kind of the coverage analysis of the fight, I think a lot of people don't really have a lot of context, but it, I, I just, it came off to me, it just felt like it was very, very disrespectful to uh, Gennady Golovkin uh, just because of his age. But we saw Wilder knock out a 40-year-old tease, give him all the credit in the world. When Earl Spence signed a, a fight to fight a 42-year-old Pacquiao, no one had an issue with Pacquiao's age. But Canelo goes, you know, the distance with a guy that's never been hurt. Yeah. You know, in 400 amateur fights, you know, 40-plus pro fights, never been hurt. And it's like he was supposed to knock him out. And no one was giving credit to what Golovkin's done. I mean, there was a reason for 10 years he couldn't get a fight in the States. You talk about Andre Ward, didn't want to fight him. Mayweather never wanted to meet at a catchweight. He went 10 years without getting a good fight until, you know, a 20, 26-year-old Canelo showed up. And I just felt like, you know, it was very disingenuous just to – make comments about his age, uh, even though Please. for 10 years no one wanted to fight him. Uh, Gennady, I mean, Golovkin's never really been hurt in his entire career. It's one of the most amazing yeah. boxing legacies ever. In fact, I'm still convinced that if Triple G would have started his offense in the 6th or 5th or 6th round instead of the 8th, then it could have been a totally different story. But unfortunately, cool. he was, you know, he tried to save the best for the end of the fight, and he was so far behind points at that time that he would have had to have knocked out Canelo to win the fight. No, actually, I, I don't think you know this, but the finals, the final scores were 7-5. I do. I do. And the way I look at it is I probably would have given Triple G the second round because I thought he won the second. But if he loses one through seven minus the second round and then or one through eight minus the second round and then he ends up winning uh nine ten eleven and twelve to go along with two then he loses the fight seven five yep and and another another thing like after canelo's lost the last fight his opponent had said how how devastating his punches were that he couldn't lift his arms for three days yeah and golovkin took those punches all night and I know. I, I don't think I don't think that was that was said enough, and he's still the number one middleweight in the world, and uh, we'll see where Canelo goes. But I, I was just I was just happy. Maybe this might be the last time we see uh, Golovkin. Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. There's no doubt about it. One of the greats of all time. I'm just saying that had Triple G started earlier in this fight, I think he would have had a real chance to win the decision. I, I really believe that after watching what he did to Canelo in the last four rounds of the fight. Well, I think he, he think he knew maybe he's 40. He can't push 12 rounds like maybe we would like him to. Maybe he saved it. I don't know. Yeah, I just wish. I, I get it. But he's too good of a fighter. I, I would have liked to have seen him to do uh, just do more early in that fight. But anyway, you're right. All right, Rob, good job. Appreciate the call. 39 past the hour as we continue on Sports Talk. By the way, um, the uh, TBS Tech version of that fight really, I, I mean, they sell ads by like the second. I mean, Adrian, I've never seen so many ads in my life, whether it was this, it was on the screen during the fight or the commercials they sold. They probably packed in 250 ads into that 12-round fight. So are they doing stuff like this knockout is brought to you by McDonald's? I, I didn't get to watch it, so I, I can't tell you much. I, I only saw had, the highlights from DAZN. McDonald's, Carl's Jr., they had uh, cell phone services. But instead of having a, like a 15 or a 30, they had like 
three to five second commercials. Oh, wow. On, and then they just kept going commercial, commercial, commercial. Then, but it was live. Like, they would come back for the start of the round, and then, in like, on the screen, you would see, like, visual ads throughout the course. It was all, it's, it's almost like digital ads on the television during the fight. Hey, thank you, TV Azteca, for putting up some free uh, boxing for us. That's, that's the way that we got it done. So they always I'm, I'm all do. in on this. 100%. Uh, this came in on the mobile app from Lisa. Uh, she messaged us about 10 minutes ago. Hello. Happy Monday. Just want to say hello to Chema. Hi, Chema. What did you think of the UTEP game? That comes from Lisa on our mobile app. You know what, Steve? That's my mother, actually. Nice. It's crazy. All right, we'll say hi to Lisa then. Lisa, thanks for listening. I'm happy that she's messaging us on the app. Uh, so your mom's asking. Uh, we'll ask you the same thing. Chema, what did you think of the game? You know what? I was very frustrated with this UTEP team. But, I mean, there's there's a lot of people saying everything. I just want to say there's so much. There's only so much this UTEP defense can do without an offense. And I think that's that, true. And that's the only thing that's killing them because you know what? You have people like Kel Wallerstad, and you have Kobe, you have Keenan Stewart, you have Prey Zamahule, but you don't have an offense. And that's the only thing that's that's dragging this UTEP team right now. Yep. If they had an offense, we'd be talking about a team that's not one and three right now. So, yep. All right, Chema. Nicely done. 19 in front of six. Come back to wrap up our two. Hey, game going on right now. Tennessee and Tannehill driving in the red zone, third and 14, with 5.50 left to go in the first quarter, trailing Buffalo by seven. We'll let you know what happens when we continue right here at Sports Talk 600 ESPN El Paso. No, it's tough to talk about these awards, but hey, we had a few, including our play of the game, Adrian. That's right, Steve. First off, we got to pay the bills. Uh, our specs play of the game is uh, Deion Hankins' touchdown to close out uh, the uh, second-to-last drive for the Miners. It was a long seven-play, 53-yard drive that was pretty much led by uh, what Deion Hankins did on the ground on that one, and he just uh, punched it in for a one-yard rushing touchdown. So his first of the season, let's uh, let's uh, give Deion Hankins his flowers for running some good football on Saturday. There you go. And again, uh, also, if you listen to UTEP First and 10 before every pregame show, Specs Wine, Spirits, and Finer Foods, the official sponsor of UTEP First and 10. They've also got a location right by the UTEP campus, 2525 North Mesa. What about the Oscar Adietta drive of the game? Now, this is an interesting one, Steve. Usually we'll take the offense and we'll put we'll put together the best offensive drive of the game. But I'm going to give credit to the UTEP defense. After a uh, Gavin Hardison interception with nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter, the minor defense had to stop New Mexico. They were already in the red zone against UTEP, and they drove it all the way to the UTEP 13-yard line. Uh, UTEP's defense held strong. They forced a field goal attempt, and that one was missed by the Lobos. So best drive of the game, the defense late in this one in the fourth quarter. Terrific. Our final award, the player of the game. Here's a guy that's been getting a, a lot of love this season. That's right, Cal Wallerstead, somebody who is their fourth-string linebacker who stepped in in place of guys like Jerome Wilson, no Breon Hayward so far because of eligibility issues, and Wallerstead had Three and a half tackles for losses, including two sacks and seven total tackles on Saturday. His production is felt on the football field, and I, I get it. He struggles with pass defense, but I love what he's doing on the uh, defensive side, making the big play. So Cal Wallerstedt getting our player of the game award.
And our Player of the Game Award is uh, brought to you, in fact, by Heineken, folks. Uh, Heineken Beer, our UTEP uh, Awards, as mentioned on Minor Talk, presented by the Oscar Arrieta All-State Agency. Hey, we're live. Border City Alehouse, 1506 Lee Trevino. Uh, the Eagles fan club is slowly pouring in here. Tonight they're getting ready to watch the Vikings-Eagles. We've got Titans tied at 7 with the Bills with two minutes left to go in the first quarter. Coming up at halftime of the Eagles game in about uh, probably around, uh, I don't know, 7.45, 8 o'clock when the game hits halftime, we're going to be giving away some incredible prizes from our friends at All That Music and Video located at the Fountains of Farrah. By the way, new and improved and bigger than ever. Their expanded spot at the Fountains is directly below the Best Buy parking lot. And uh, again, folks, they've been around since 1980. Collector's Marketplace. They are the only complete music media store in the region. That means CDs, DVDs, vinyl, patches, posters, buttons, pop culture gift items. They've got it all. And we're going to be giving away today from all that music and video. Uh, We've got lunch bags, team lunch bags for all four teams playing tonight. So these are insulated, which means Bills, Titans, Vikings, and Eagles will be giving those away. We've got a Dalvin Cook Pop Funko. We've also got a Derrick Henry Gold Funko and bottle openers from all four teams from all that music. Plus, we've got uh, two pairs of tickets to go see the Chihuahuas this Sunday. All that going to be given away. And uh, we've also got some Casadores sunglasses. We're going to be giving those away at halftime, too. Free to play. All you got to do is sign up with us here at the Yale House and enjoy yourself for pint night. Three, four, five dollar pints, four dollar fireball. Jack and Jack flavors. And if you want to watch the game with the Eagles, they're in the green room all to themselves. They've got their own room because this is the home of the Eagles fan club. All right. So many interesting things in our final hour. UTEP Zay's got a wild stat we'll tell you about. We'll get back to the phones, Twitter, the app. So 60 more minutes to go here. 1506 Lee Trevino, Sports Talk Live, Border City L House on 600 ESPN El Paso. With... Buffalo and Tennessee starting up in about a half an hour will be the Eagles as uh, they look to fly against Minnesota at halftime of that game we will be giving away a ton of prizes which you can uh, sign up for free here thanks to our friends at all that music and video with their newly remodeled and expanded spot at the Fountains of Farrah directly behind the Best Buy parking lot also are going to be giving away um Tickets to the Chihuahuas. Final homestand. That would be starting tomorrow against those OKC Dodgers. Excited about that as well. All right. So much to uh, recap. If you've missed the first two hours of the show, 90% has probably been UTEP related and 10% uh, everything else, Adrian. And, man, there was a ton going on this weekend between the Triple G, uh, Canelo fight, all the NFL games, uh, the rest of college football. It was a great weekend for sports outside of what happened here with UTEP. No, no doubt. I mean, there was just it was a sports-filled weekend in almost every sport. You had, I mean, baseball has been so – we've been so quiet about baseball, but what a great weekend for Major League Baseball, seeing what Aaron Judge was able to do yesterday, uh, just teams trying to solidify their final playoff spot uh angels missing out on the playoffs for the eighth straight season uh just a lot of stuff going on in, in you know all across sports football baseball and everything else how about what aaron uh aaron jones did yesterday 
Oh man, he's he's the absolute man. Uh, he's a monster on the ground. They deferred to him. I, I actually didn't like the way AJ Dillon was running the football yesterday. I don't know about you. I yeah. just thought the way that Aaron Jones was able to hit all the holes. It's uh, it, you know, it's he's leveling his game up year after year, and uh, this year is is the same thing with him. I just feel like, you know, when you watch Dylan, it's ground and pound. That's what it is. And he doesn't have the quickness, the cutting ability, and the breakaway speed the way uh, Jones does. He's just your big bruising back that's going to that's gonna get that, uh, you know, that, that, that short yardage situation. But, man, how many times when they gave the ball to Jones did he just look vintage like he had all those years in his NFL career and at UTEP? It was like watching the same thing, except instead of doing it to uh, CUSA opponents like he did for three seasons here he did it to uh the best in the nfl you know i kind of would describe his running style as slippery he's a slippery running back for all the good reasons like no one can get a hand on him he can get away from tacklers pretty easily and uh i I think that's just what makes aaron jones so good And, and another thing with with aj is the fact that Dylan, I don't think could find the end zone like they like a lot of Packers fans wanted, and I think Aaron Jones has the ability to. He has a nose for the end zone, like he knows how to score points uh, left and right. And I don't think AJ Dylan is there yet. I'm with you on that one. If you want to talk about anything we've discussed earlier? I'll be at UTEP or uh, the Cowboys or the Packers or anything else uh, sports-wise. How about Aaron Judge hitting two over the weekend? He's at 59. Pujols is at 698. Great baseball stories as well. More Eagles fans coming in as they get ready for their game with the fan club here, Eagles and Vikings. Plus, uh, we're watching Bills and Titans here in uh, the Burgundy Room. Let's keep moving along. More phone calls. Conrad will start off our final hour of the show. Conrad, welcome aboard. How are you today? Hey, Steve. Good, good. Well, this call is going to be 100% Cowboys. I'm sure you know that. Uh, Before I get started, just to ask you, if you went to the jukebox right now, uh, would you pick Badlands by The Boss or Crazy Train by Ozzy Osbourne? Ooh, two of my, you know, listen, I've got a lot of uh, Springsteen songs that I like. Uh, with those two, I would probably go Crazy Train because I love Ozzy. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Hey, uh, man, I saw a lot of heart in the game yesterday. I'll tell you that. I mean, after the call that I did, you know, when I called in last week, I'd pretty much yep. given up on the season. Uh, just a, a lot of heart. You saw a well-executed game plan. Um, you know, I mean, to be honest with you, I was more comfortable seeing Dak on the sideline being a cheerleader and uh, Cooper Rush being the starting quarterback. And, I, and, and I'm not saying that Cooper Rush is going to take him to the Super Bowl, but, you know, I, 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 Dak, to me, is an overpaid quarterback that's going to start getting hurt every year. There's going to be some excuse for him every year. Way overpaid. The only quarterback coming out of that class with Carson Wentz and uh, Jared Goff is still with the same team, getting overpaid. Uh, you know, Cooper Rush was solid yesterday. I mean, come on. This guy's no Brandon Whedon. He's no uh, Matt Castle. He's no Kellen Moore. I mean, this guy is solid. You know, he got away with a couple of bad throws, but he looked good. He had confidence. He found his guy, Noah Brown. Who's Noah Brown? I don't even know who that is. You know, last year, the best game that Amari Cooper had was when Cooper Russ was a quarterback against Minnesota. Who knows? Maybe we got Nick Foles. Who knows? I don't know. All I know is with Dak, is that if he makes it through the season without getting hurt and maybe gets in the first round of the playoffs, he's going to lose. Or maybe he gets to the divisional, he's going to lose. 
I mean, you know, I I, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'll tell you what. If we get to uh, uh, Cooper Rush being 6-0, I want to hear Howie Long. I want to hear Stephen A. Same, same way they were that year with Dak and Tony Romo. Well, how can you let Tony Romo get his job back? There's so much continuity with his team. How can you let him get his job back? I want to hear the same thing about Dak if Cooper Rush goes 6-0 in these next few weeks. Well, if Cooper, if Cooper Rush goes 6-0, and then, yeah, we're going to have a legitimate, uh, you know. Listen, the quarterback controversy won't be because of the sign. I mean, Dak is signed to big bucks, so that's the guy they're committed to. But I do understand where you're coming from, especially trying to get, uh, you know, to, to watch more and more of what, you know, should be a pretty uh, pretty fun next few weeks, especially if uh, if Cooper can keep it up. I mean, Suddenly you feel like the Cowboys have a pretty good backup plan, don't you? Hey, you know, you asked me last week, you said, what do you think of Cooper Rush? I said he'll give you one, two, you know, wins. I didn't think he was going to win yesterday. I mean, you know, there was other, other things. The offensive line played great. The defense played great. And there was a lot of other things involved. But you know what? Cooper Rush, he had confidence. He didn't look like a deer in headlights like Dak, Dak did last week. So you know what? I'm going to be backing him up for these next few weeks. Awesome. All right. Good stuff, Conrad. You're on the Cooper Rush bandwagon. You're on the crazy train right now, aren't you? He hung up, Steve, but uh, oh my God. <laughs> that was um, the mic drop right there. It was. He's, he's a Cooper Rush fan after listening to that call, right? Oh, yeah, but, like, come on. Can we slow this all down? Can we, can we just calm, calm down a little bit? Uh, let's give a lot of credit to the Cowboys' defense. Uh, they sacked Joe Burrow six times yesterday. They held the Bengals to just three points in the first half. The Bengals started coming back in the second half, and the Cowboys' yep. offense really couldn't move the football in the second half. They only scored three points through the third and fourth quarters. Sure, Cooper Rush did fine, but let's see how the season – you know how he progresses as the season continues and defenses adjusted adjust. I mean, you saw Geno Smith week one look great. That's what we see from a lot of these backup quarterbacks is one week they look good and then defenses adjust right away. And uh, and then that's the, true. You, you kind of see them as more of a backup quarterback. There's no doubt. Although I don't know, Cooper's been in the league a long time. Maybe after watching all these games, he's figured it out finally. It's possible, you know, or he just had that great first game that's going to give the team some confidence, and who knows, maybe they start riding high after that. Look, the point is he looked like he belonged yesterday. He looked like he, uh, he fit the part, right? Yeah, I agree. I, I was saying that Cooper Rush, or I was saying last week that the Cowboys should go out and get a real uh, backup quarterback, and uh, Cooper Rush is a real backup quarterback, so he proved me wrong. He 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 showed that he is a serviceable guy when you have your, your main guy out, but I don't know if he's a long-term decision anywhere. I'm hearing you on that one. All right, 505-6009, that is our telephone number as we continue here on Sports Talk. Uh, lots of tweets coming in. God, there's so many to get to. A lot of them uh, regarding uh, the Miners and their game. Uh, and your press conference that you attended yes, uh, this earlier this afternoon, that was uh, about two and a half, three hours ago. Let's talk a little bit about what Dana Dibble said to you earlier today. Yeah, Steve, uh, he... Um 
You know, he had a lot of questions come his way from media members regarding the offense. And uh, he, Dana Dimmel took a lot of ownership. Or, or, you know, I should say he took ownership for the game management. That's a huge uh, thing right there. But I think fans wanted to hear that. The coach take a little bit more ownership from uh, how the game was really managed on Saturday. And uh, Dana Dimmel continues to say that he likes the talent. He thinks that this talent is proven. So with this talent, it's about executing on the field. But that, I mean, it's easier said than actually doing so. And uh, Dana Dimmel talked about passing efficiency, how they want to be better, how they want to calculate those deep balls and and put themselves in a better situation on that. Uh, Scoring offense, they've been working on situational things like red zone offense. Uh, He praised the defense. He he thought that the defense played fine. uh, And, you know, he likes the progression that he's seen in the secondary specifically. But, you know, the one of the things that I asked him is, like what kind of expectations do you have on this group knowing that last year's team finished seven and six first winning season in a long time how important is that to replicate it this year that that was one of my questions and uh he said it's it's very important so you if you're a fan base if you're uh, a media member like myself you got to hold him to stuff like that because he knows the importance of having success year after year and uh the way that it's starting so far it's not looking like it like much success so far UTEP Zay had a found a terrific nugget uh, when he was doing some research, and he's in the Lubingo Studios along with Chema and Adrian. Zay, tell me what you found out about the UTEP football team when it comes to wins. Well, the last time UTEP football beat a team with a winning record was when they upset Houston in um, 2009. Yep. That, that is wild. So you're telling me that in the last 13 years, UTEP has never once won a football game um, against a team with a winning mark. Yep, nope. They've, they haven't won since 2009. That's, that that is, was wild to me. I didn't even believe it at first. I, I'm in the same boat. I am in the same boat. So, um, you know, you think about all those. Well, they haven't had tons of wins since 2009. We know that. So even the year when Sean Kugler won seven they didn't beat a single team in 2014 with a winning mark, huh? Nope, they did not beat a single team. I didn't I didn't think I had to go through every single game just to make sure, but yep, they did not beat a single team with a winning record. Adrian, that's one of those I didn't even realize at the time. I mean, that's so it's such a crazy stat. It's almost unbelievable, right? Like that's like a historically bad stat right there, but it's a it's a reflection of where this program really is and where it's been. Yep. And that's why a 7-win season that they had last year. That's why so many fans got fired up about it because they've been used to the bad uh the bad season after season under this UTEP football program. And it it was like a caller said on Minor Talk. There's just it seems like there's a dark cloud over this football program right now that they just simply can't shake off. But you also thought that UTEP would take the next step, right? And then build on last season and start beating teams with winning records this time around. Yeah, I mean, even preseason, we asked Dana Dimmel about uh, the importance of winning those bigger games. And then he even said that, that it's kind of like their next step. It's their yep. next step to try to improve their program, show how much they've actually progressed, and that's winning a game against a, a better team or a team that has a, a good record. And, uh, and, you know, for UTEP, they haven't been able to do that. Quarter past, the Sports Talk continues live from Border City Alehouse, 1506 Lee Trevino, a 49-yard field goal attempt from Bass. But before we do that, let's go to Andy. Next up on the program, Andy, what's happening, man? Good to hear you. How you doing? Hey, good, good. Well, the Jaguars won, so I'm happy. 
It's a weird week in the NFL, right? What's that? It was a weird week because the Jaguars didn't just win. They dominated Indianapolis in that game. They, they they have their number. I mean, at the end of last season, too, they 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 were they played the role of the spoiler. So, I mean, that's a good thing. Well, uh, I'll tell you, know, you what else. Is, you know what else is a good thing, Andy, is when you watch Trevor Lawrence go twenty five of thirty with uh, with oh, yeah. two touchdowns and no picks. That is about as promising a stat as you're ever going to find. Well, he needed that, and I think he needed the right head coach in place. So. Um, glad that Urban's gone and Peterson's in, and and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. They they still got a ways to go, but they play in a. We'll we'll see what the Titans do to tonight. You know, they're tied right now with Buffalo, but Houston sucks. <laughs> um, yep, yep. You know, and they've got Indianapolis's number, so you know they it, they could sneak in there. You never know. You never know. Tennessee is down 10-7. They don't look good after that first loss to the Giants uh, to start the year. So, yeah, I'm real interested to see what starts to happen now. I really am. This is uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, the, the start is something good. Absolutely. When was the last time you can get excited as a Jags fan? It's been a while. All right. Thank you, Andy. We lost Andy on that one. 17 passed as we continue here on Sports Talk. No, it's true, though, Adrian. Look at the games. Look at the wins we've seen so far. Look at how many one-and-one teams there are. Yeah, there are, you know, that AFC South is wide open, right? I mean, like, you can make an argument for the Jaguars. You can maybe make an argument for the Colts, although they look terrible so far, Steve. And then, yep. and then you, of course, uh, you, can make a, you, you can make an argument for other teams in that division. But I, I look at the Jaguars right there, and I think that they're a team that is really taking a step forward because of what they did at the head coaching position, because they changed over and got a winning coach like Peterson. And do I I'm think they're you. going to contend in the playoffs? No. But could they? They make the playoffs, maybe, and that would be a huge step forward for that organization. I'm with you. All right, we got a lot more to cover in our final hour here live at the Ale House as we continue. Let's first go to Charlie One and get this traffic update. 17, 18 past our 6 o'clock hour as Sports Talk continues. 23 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. Live, Border City Ale House, along with Adrian Broadus, I'm Steve Kaplowitz, UTEP Zay, Chema also in for the discussion today. A lot of talk involving uh, UTEP football. And one of the things I do want to bring up, and, and it's, it's an interesting point. We haven't really talked about this a lot, Adrian, is that I, I do believe that, that they have enough personnel that can win. But you got to play to the strength of the personnel. And I don't think that they've done that in the first four games on the offensive side of the ball. I'd like to see, ultimately, trying to make what they have and, and get the most out of it. Yeah, I think that was also – it's a, interesting you bring that up, Steve, because that was something that was addressed today during the uh, press conference with Dana Dimmel. And he and he was questioned about, you know, just his philosophy uh, offensively, which I think is a, a really uh, valid question to ask right now of this offense. And I think that we, what he was talking about was simplifying things, but moreover, m- more than just that, more than just narrowing down the offense a little bit, it's working with Gavin Hardison's strengths. Like, what is 
is he the best at right now? And maybe it's not just Hardison. Maybe it's their entire offense along with the wide receivers and the offensive line. What what kind of what is the best strategy that he could develop that is conducive to everybody's abilities on the offensive side? And, and I think that's going to be a question that he has to answer sooner rather than later before the season slips away from them. Oh, I'm with you on that one. I, I really am. Now, what's going to be really interesting regarding the offensive uh, equation, as you just talked about, is so we all have different answers to this story, right? We all think we, we, we know. But aren't you fascinated by, and, and, our, and our listeners have been bringing this up, since so many of our listeners have all said the same thing. Some of them are wondering, do the coaches see it? And my attitude is, of course they see it. Um, the question is, is, you know, will the changes be made? Because I do believe that, you know, when enough people say something, enough people see it, word gets all the way back to the top. But then you got to wonder what kind of adjustments will they make, if any, and how will they handle that? I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that, too, because we've heard the talk week after week from the coach's side, from the player's side, that they need to step up, they need to get better, but um, we just haven't seen it on the actual field. Like, what kind of progressions have they made, or what kind of uh, adjustments are they making in the game? I'll, I'll give you a perfect example, Steve, from this past weekend. Uh, I really liked what the defense did in, in, in kind of like uh, coming up with turnovers, but this this team has not been able to capitalize off turnovers uh, yep. Like they have in years past. And yeah, of course, they score a touchdown in garbage time with Deion Hankins late in the game, which is often interception. But still, I mean, that defense did a lot yesterday to force things like three and outs, to force things like uh, an interception like they had early on into the game. But the Miners weren't able to have any success when it came to those things. No, they weren't. They absolutely weren't. Um, but when they were successful running the ball, they didn't go back to it. Did you notice that they ultimately went ahead and they just kind of, um, they left it at times. And again, um, have we seen a game so far this season where UTEP has committed to starting uh, the run first and and go and just and building off of that and no. and not not abandoning that for the for the for the passing and we haven't seen that this year. Yeah, I, I can't even remember when's the last time we've seen this team go run oriented with their main focus. And, and I understand because look, if if you're telling me if you're Dana Dimmel and you're telling me right now that you want to play off your strengths and you think that Gavin Hardison and your passing game is your strength, well, sure, but uh, give a little bit more balance to your offense, not a. a a yep. lopsided play distribution where you have 45 passes and, again, uh, less than 30 runs in this game. You just have 21 rush attempts in this game. A 46 uh, passing attempts and then twenty yard ru- uh, 21 rushing attempts, that's a terrible distribution when you're talking about plays. And if they didn't have any talent at running back, we could understand, but they do. They've got talent right now. Awad ran for 100 yards, and he's had a couple of 100-yard games in his career. Hankins has been good at times this you know, over the years. He really was great as a freshman, but you know we haven't seen Hankins because he's been hurt a lot. But when healthy, we know what a healthy Deion Hankins can do. There's a lot of good things there. There are, and uh, I'm not ready to write off anybody in the run game because I think that it could still be there. I also think they could go even deeper than just the two that we've seen with uh, Ronald Awad and Deion Hankins. They could go with a third-string guy, whether it's Torrance Burgess Jr. or if it's Kurtraven Walker. We saw it all offseason long, which uh, surprises me that we haven't seen those two thus far. Let's get back to the phones. 505-6009 as Sports Talk continues. Abel is joining us next. Abel, what's happening? How are you? Hey, Steve. Good. Yourself? Good. Thanks, Abel. Appreciate it. 
Um, no, I know it's been a while since I've been on, but uh, let's get off this sad minor train, at least for uh, you and me. Fair and, enough. Uh, hey, how about those JETS Jets? 14 points in a minute, 17? Crazy. It was crazy. I'm not going to lie to you, Abel. I didn't expect it. Um, I, get, I, mean, I, I don't know if I told you. I told you this story at the start of the show, but you might not have heard it. Um, I didn't buy the NFL Sunday ticket this year for the first time in a while. And when I was following the game on Game Tracker, as soon as Chubb scores that touchdown to go up by two scores, I, I was like, I turned it off. I was disgusted. I had to go get ready to take my son to baseball practice. Then I get a text about 15 minutes later from a buddy who's a big Browns fan congratulating me on the win. I thought he was messing with me. I didn't even think it was real. Yeah, I mean, you can't blame Chubb for the kicker missing the extra point and them not getting the outside no. kick. And I mean, it was it was the Jets. It was their time. It was their time. But you know what I will? But I, you know what I will say, Abel? That touchdown pass to Corey Davis with like a mid and twenty left. That was a complete breakdown by the Dolphins' pass defense. Like there was nobody near him before the onside mm. kick, before the touchdown pass to to Wilson. That was just a strange play that the Jets were able to capitalize. But hey, more power to them. I'm pretty excited they were able to get the win. I mean, we'll we'll see you guys at week seven because, I mean, yesterday a uh, guy came through, two yep. six touchdowns, four hundred sixty nine yards. I knew you were kind of doubting him before we got the weapons, but uh, what do you think? <laughs> that that's another crazy story, Abel, because they were down, they were down, you know, and, and scored twenty eight in the second half to come back and win that game against Baltimore. That was a wild comeback. Twenty eight in the fourth quarter. Yep, exactly. And. Yeah, the teams teams going with a three touchdown lead into the uh, fourth quarter. Oh, and zero wins, seven hundred and eleven losses. So, um, yeah, it was. I was. I'm. I'm still. I'm still so happy that I'm shocked that it happened because I don't think it happened. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. But um, I think for sure because I mean I watch every Dolphin game and I mean I'm not going to write off. I'm never going to write off anyone, not even the Jets, but. I have a feeling that you guys are going to take one this year for sure. So we'll see you guys week seven. Looking forward to it. I think it's the last week of the season after that, which should be pretty good. So, all right. Hey, good job. Thanks for the phone call. Appreciate you getting in, Abel. Bottom of the hour, we've got one last Sports Center update. Here's Adrian with the latest. Thank you very much, Steve. It is halftime out in Buffalo. Bills holding on to a uh, a lead right now, ten to seven on their end for this one in Monday Night Football action. Coming up in just a little bit, it's uh, actually just kicking off right now. That's right, it's Vikings Eagles six thirty kickoff, and this one coming up right now on ABC. Quick correction: uh, this Bills Titans game is right now two minutes left in t- in the first half. Buffalo is driving; they are threatening to score down inside uh, Titans territory second and one situation here for the Bills. Again, they're up 10 to 7 with 2 minutes to go in the first half. Let's go over to some NFL news from today. Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver Mike Evans has been suspended without pay for a game in his role in Sunday's altercation with Saints cornerback Marshawn Lattimore. Evans was suspended for violating unnecessary roughness and unsportsmanlike conduct rules, the league said. Evans will not be eligible to return until after Sunday's home opener against the Green Bay Packers. Evans is allowed to appeal the suspension under NFL's CBA, 
if he does appeal, the hearing will be either before Derek Brooks or James Thrash, who have been jointly appointed by the league and NFL Players Association to rule on appeals of on-field player discipline. More news today, this out of the NFL as well. Chiefs linebacker Willie Gay has been suspended by the NFL for four games for violating the league's personal conduct policy. Gay was erect, arrested back in January in Kansas for criminal property damage of less than $1,000. That's looking at your Sports Center update for 600 ESPN El Paso. I'm Adrian Bradis. All right, Adrian, thank you very much. Folks, if you've been listening to the show, you've heard, uh, you've heard uh, us talk about you know, what we would do for the UTEP offense. I know Adrian's chimed in on it. I've chimed in on it. Zay, what about you? How would you try to fix the UTEP offense and get them to get points on the board? All right. Um, we'll... Uh, Oh, I got you. So we'll get to uh, we'll get to UTEP Zay in a moment. And get his thoughts on that as we continue live from Border City Alehouse and uh, watching the Bills about to try to punch it in. It is uh, you know fourth and one in uh, inside the five. So let's see if uh, they can get it done uh, as uh, Josh Allen calls the play and uh, let's see if they're just oh they threw look at this. They were able to draw Tennessee offsides. Unbelievable. And now there's a bunch of after the uh, play uh, you know, festivities, unreal. All right, uh, Zay, give me your thoughts on that and what you would do. Well, um, to fix the offense, I think they need to simplify the game a lot. I mean, um, we've seen it, you know, work when they go quick, short passes. You know, they were moving the ball good against OU and they did that. And, you know, I think they get away from it a lot when they feel some momentum and it just really kills them. So... When you say simplify it a lot, let's uh, specifically, uh, are we talking more about the running game, the short passing game? What do you think? I think a mix of both would be good for them. You know, I think, you know, just really these quick little curl routes. We've really seen the curl routes work a lot this year. So I think stuff like that. And I think the running game, you know, this and there, you know, four or five yards, if you can get that, that's very successful for this offense. How about utilizing their uh, their fullbacks and their tight ends? Oh, yeah. Um, Tupo, he's played amazing this year. I mean, he's made some really tough catches, so utilize him more. You, I mean, you really just go back to the way they used to, you know, call up the offense. I think they'll be, I think they'll be okay. All right. Adrian, it's funny because I know that was another thing that uh, Dana Dimmel kind of referenced a little bit was simplifying the offense. And to me, I, I don't know, does it seem too complicated right now where you're throwing the ball 30 yards downfield and kind of going uh you know going deep on occasion as often as they are yeah I, I think even UTEP Zay had a tweet about this uh, over the weekend but it seemed like uh UTEP's offense continues to ask their receivers to just go four verticals just get up the field move the ball go all the way and, and just go for all these seam routes that really they hit on some of these deep balls these uh big plays sometimes but they hit on zero of them uh this past weekend which yeah Dana Dimmel acknowledged said that was a big issue as well but how do you fix that how do you correct that and how do you uh improve moving forward i don't know i mean that's that's the million dollar question right that is the million dollar question anyway uh 36 passed as we continue here on sports talk if you want to weigh in 505-6009 that is our telephone number as we continue here on the program and uh it is an interesting dilemma it really is what do you do how do you fix things, and how do you try? And by the way, it's not like they're trying to fix it against uh, you know with the worst team in, in college football. They got Boise coming in this weekend. That is a tough, uh, another tough Mountain West opponent. By the way, Steve, I, I thought some callers referenced it, especially on Minor Talk. 
all the talk about going to the Mountain West, all the talk about competing with those teams right there, doesn't that kind of go out the window after last week and, and just struggling against one of the worst teams in Mountain West? Now, of course, they can redeem themselves this week by playing one of the premier teams of this conference, but still, I mean, how, how do you erase how poorly they played against New Mexico and you all can't. those ideas about the Mountain West? No, you definitely can't. Not at all. No, you can't. That's, that's the hardest part right now is there's nothing you can do. I mean, you just got to try to go ahead and, and get it done uh, against Boise, and that's that's yeah, easier said than done, uh, especially when you're 16-point dogs. And like we mentioned earlier, they're 0-4 against the spread, so the Baker, the odds makers know a little thing or two when they put these together, although they had UTEP three-point favorites, and, and look what happened there. So you're 100% right on that. Okay, 37 passed. We're alive. Uh, as we continue at Border City L House, 1506 Lee Trevino. It's pint night, folks. Three, four, five dollar pints. We've got two games going on at one time. Vikings, Eagles now, along with the 17 to 7 Bills lead over the Titans. You want to watch it with us? You can come down to the L House, sign up to win our halftime prizes as well. Free to play. We'd love to see you here. Come back to wrap it up. We'll put a bow on this one and get to our final countdown and uh, get to more of your calls and tweets as Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso.